everyone. Before we start the podcast this week, I want to let you all know about a really cool new exhibit being put on by our friends at the Mystic Museum. The Mystic Museum proudly presents The Lost Toys, an immersive vintage horror toy exhibit featuring retro and antique toys from the 50s to the 90s, opening on October 1st. Mystic Museum is in their ninth year of curating rotating themed art shows, interactive exhibits, custom photo ops, and meticulously designed spaces in the greater LA area, such as two officially licensed exhibits for Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead, multiple iterations of Slashback Video, a throwback to the mom-and-pop VHS stores of the 80s and 90s, and 90s Slashers, their most recent art show and interactive photo op display. And now they are excited to announce their new interactive horror toy museum, The Lost Toys, opening October 1st at their second location, just a few blocks down from their main store in Burbank, California. Tickets can be purchased at either location at $16 a ticket. Discounted combo tickets for entry into both the 90 Slashers and Lost Toys exhibit will be available. The new museum is sponsored by Trick or Treat Studios, Fright Rags, and Collector's Toy Chest. For more information, visit their website, themysticmuseum.com, or head over to their Instagram or Facebook at The Mystic Museum. What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. Go ahead and laugh, you guys. If I ever find a little glasses of business, they're dead meat. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, your horror safe haven. I'm Chelsea. I'm James, and uh, we're married, I promise, even though I don't have my (laughs) wedding ring. Damn, I'm sick. I'm, yeah, I've been James sick is this weekend, sick. He so. took a PCR, so it's not COVID. No, I'm just no. It's just uh, it's just James has been running himself ragged sick. Yeah, and then and then went out drinking, and that was the final nail in the coffin. I think I was all stressed and worn down, and then I had a night of drinking, and it was like my immunity system was just like, oh, okay, here's the floodgates are open. Yeah. And I've been fucked up for a day or two now, but yeah, uh, good enough to do a podcast. Yeah, we're going to talk about Barbarian this week. Finally, everyone wanting us to cover this movie, so we're doing it. Just in time for everyone to want us to cover Pearl. (laughs) (laughs) We did see Pearl. Yeah. Let's get, we can do a mini review of Pearl because we're not doing it for the podcast yet. Mm -hmm. I I would like to watch it again, possibly on Blu-ray. It'll probably do... a streaming release before Blu-ray. I don't know. We'll we'll check it out. But yeah, I would like to be able to rewatch it. Oh yeah, we can't cover because it. Because we didn't take notes or anything. No. We were the only people in our theater. Which Literally is the neat. only two. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, I really I really liked Pearl. Very different than X. Very different movies, different pacing, style, everything. But yet you can tell they're supposed to be in the same universe. I mean, it helps that so much of the setting is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I it's I think it's like deeply disturbing. Maybe because of that final the shot. Final shot. The final yeah. shot really like made me feel bad and weird. And <laughs> it's great. Uh I I tweeted this recently. 2022 will go down as probably the most stacked year for horror in our lifetime. Yeah. Maybe like I, I saw some people say like 85 or 82. I'd have to go back and check what came out those years, but like this year's fucking insane, dude. Yeah. It's between all the franchise entries and all the original things and all the variety of them. Like, oh man. And Barbarian is included in that list. Mm-hmm. Uh saw it amongst many people's favorite horror movies of the year so far. Oh, there's too much this month. I I 
I wish that we could just spread the horror movies out a bit. I know that everyone wants to release around the Halloween season, which makes mm. sense, but it's also killing us. <laughs> so if you could just, if horror could all just get together, if all the studios could just get together and, you know, we can all make an agreement to just have more of a, a trickle. Scream did its part. Kicked off the year yeah. in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But between that, like from Scream to now, it's just been nonstop uh really good releases and um barbarian you know we we went into this movie blind did you watch the trailer no yeah me neither i had no idea what i had no idea what this is all i knew was it took place in detroit that's the only thing people obviously are going to tell us that that is a fact yeah that's uh, all i knew too i would recommend strongly doing the same thing don't watch a trailer don't read anything about it don't even look at the cast list Oh, yeah, that's that kind helps. of a fun thing. Because I didn't too. know the cast, and so... I did also know... You knew that. Yes. But there, there's a, a, a shift, and then I was like, what are we doing now? Yeah. Um, that's the cool thing about this movie, is it's a very unconventional structure. The structure of it is really bizarre. Yeah. It's And I was just reading an interview with Zach Kreger, who's the writer-director, mm-hmm. and he was saying that that was a huge barrier to getting it made, because I we've bet. got... A weird, almost psycho-style reset of main character. Mm-hmm. There's... And it happens, like, really far into the movie, it feels and like. And it kind of happens twice. Yeah. I mean, one of the times isn't a full resetting, but it's another abrupt cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, a very late movie flashback, which I think is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so it's just all these really bizarre things you don't normally see, which I think is kind of neat. I also wasn't sure what the tone would be because, like I said, this year we've had a lot of horror movies of different tones from uh, super serious things to hilarious, like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was really funny. Barbarian, also very funny. It is very funny. It's, it's very, it, it's scary and creepy and tense. And then there is a shift that kind of like relieves some of the pressure and it ends up being hilarious. Uh, I have seen people compare it to Malignant, which I'm not sure I would agree with, but the I guess... only... I, I think tone-wise, not necessarily. I think maybe I see the comparison in that they're both really fun if you go into them not knowing anything. Not knowing anything, and then I think there's a sense of like, oh, this movie's going there, huh? Like, it's it's uh, it's got no fucks to give. It's going to go all out. And I know that you said that hearing that a bunch about this movie maybe um, set up expectations that weren't necessarily met. Yeah, I think... I heard too much, and that's that's not this movie's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and it weirdly, I, I think this is it's why this movie is successful because the, the word of mouth is just so nuts. Like there hasn't been a ton of marketing for this thing. It really is just word of mouth, which is really cool. I like when movies get popular just based on word of mouth type stuff. But I think I just heard from too many people like you got to see and like just don't go and knowing anything. So that you just. It's that thing of like, you know, you whatever you imagine it's going to be is just, I don't know. It's hard for a movie to stack up to this weird like. Well, it's kind of how it was with X. I remember hearing a ton about it and then we see it. And my first impression was like, oh, that wasn't anything too special. But then it's like, oh, I just have to recalibrate how I'm thinking about this movie. And with X, it was like, oh, it's so thematically rich. I didn't expect that. And uh, yeah, I, so when you hear that that this movie, this new horror movie is the scariest thing or, like, the wildest thing. I feel like take it with a grain of salt always and just try to keep an open mind while watching it to let the movie be what it is uh, rather than trying to 
see if it meets your expectations. Yeah, I'm curious if talking about this movie is going to change how I feel about it. I'm really excited to kind of walk through this movie with you because I, I both like and dislike this movie and I'm curious if I'm going to come out the other end of this episode feeling any differently about it. I kind of hope so because I think I ended up <laughs> liking this one more than you. Yeah, um, I think so. I'm really excited to talk about it just because the more I think about it and the more I read about it as always online and just people's conversations about it, uh, just, I don't know, I really like it. There are some things that, you know, I may be not a huge fan of. Um, you may have, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen that I tweeted about uh, <laughs> this movie taking place in Detroit but not filming there. And then the director replied to me and said, we did film there. Uh, and then I was like, well, I don't want this guy to dislike me. So I DM'd Zach. Uh, yeah, they've been DMing each other. Yeah. It's all very it's all good. cordial <laughs> and cute. I was like, hey, man, I didn't like, I had just read an article saying that you had recreated it. And he was like, we did, but we also shot some stuff in Detroit. I think his exact words were, I don't want people to think that we're total phonies, just partial phonies. Yeah. But he was uh, very uh, congenial and said he would come on the podcast if we I know him, and it so. was like it this literally this happened today so it's like if we weren't filming like in hour, five yeah. minutes mm -hmm. yes but I would like to do something with him on the podcast I would love to have him on as a uh uh discussion of how horror and comedy intercept be intersect because he is from whitest kids you know yeah I was a huge whitest kids you know fan I loved whitest kids you know in like the I don't know mid 2000s yeah mid 2000s late 2000s um, early I mean early if you've seen sketch. any of their sketches it's probably the Abe Lincoln assassination one where he is Abe Lincoln yes this the this is Abe Lincoln from <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which is... Listen to the woman, John. Calm huh? down. I feel like we, like, since the beginning of our relationship, we've quoted that. Oh, yeah. Like, that is... It's just always a been a perennial part of our <laughs> yeah. relationship. Yeah. Uh, how Abraham Lincoln died from getting hammered in the ass. I'll never forget <laughs> going to... I went on... Uh, one year of my spring break in college, I went to D.C. with my mom. And we went to the theater where... He the was shot, theater. and oh man, we could not stop ourselves quoting that. The oh my god! Time. Yeah, so this is this is that ass. guy, and uh, he made Barbarian, which is great. Like, yeah. like it'd be awesome to have like him, and it won't happen. But like Jordan Peele, and oh, just these geez, people who yeah. come from comedy and then make awesome horror movies. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've always said, like we've always said, they're they're so similar. Yeah. One thing I do like about this movie and that I think is is impressive is it nails its kind of like central thesis, uh, kind of the stuff that it's picking apart and the movie has a lot to say about in terms of uh, how women navigate the world versus how men navigate the world. And it succeeds where something like men fails. Yeah. And... Uh, which is interesting because this movie is also written and directed by a man, but I think th this just feels a bit more specific than men, which I guess, you know, <laughs> to be fair to its title, feels a bit more broad. And I think if the movie is going to fail anywhere, it would have been that because that just feels like that's the hardest thing. Yeah. The hardest needle to thread in this movie, and it does it. Yeah, I think it's it's great. Um yeah, I think we can get into it now again. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. I believe it's only in theaters as of now. I don't know when it'll be Yeah, it's only in theaters. But, but it's 
fun in a theater. Yes. Our we, audience was rowdy as hell. Yeah, in a great way. It was a very interactive way. A lot of like, don't fucking do that. And like, I it, have so much. <laughs> that You know what? I, I am curious if anyone else has experienced this in their screenings of this movie. And I'm curious if Zach Kreger has seen this for himself too or if this was something he intended. But the ways that the audience interacted with the movie depending on who was on screen was really interesting mm. and i took notes on it oh um, okay which was it's a cool thing yeah <laughs> we open with is is it the stranger things font it kind of looks like stranger it looks things. very stranger things that's exactly it what might I be just kind of a serif font like i a, think like a chunky serif it's a but... chunky serif that's exactly what i thought <laughs> yeah. and i think it's just in vogue right now probably due to Stranger Things. I think Stranger Things kind of set that off. But as soon as that font came up, I was like, this seems very familiar. And then I was w looking at it. I was like, this seems pretty Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this first shot is really impressive. It's like this wailing kind of, there's crying and it's very ambient, kind of droning. And the camera's moving into a woman in her car and it goes through the window. And when it kind of phases through the glass, the sound cuts and it's all muffled. And mm -hmm. it's just a nice cool sound design. Shot. It's like, yeah. it's a really neat Because it's raining outside, shot. so. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Tess Marshall is here, played by Georgina Campbell. I don't think I've seen her in things, but she was great. In yeah, this. she was Loved in an her. episode of of Black Mirror. Yes. Yeah. Amongst other things, but uh, yeah, she is in Detroit uh, at an Airbnb for a job interview that she has the next day. Yeah. And she gets out and she goes to this house and. When she does the lockbox to get the key, the key's not in there. And so she's trying to call the place that uh, she rented it from. And then a light goes on in the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, she goes and knocks on the door. And Bill Skarsgård. It's Bill Skarsgård, who I didn't <laughs> know was in this. And I was very excited to see Great him. Great casting. So he's so good in this. Mm -hmm. Love this man. Of course, anyone who doesn't realize that is Pennywise from mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. and It Chapter 2. Uh, yeah. Looking much <laughs> looking less creepy here less creepy it's so weird he is like a he's got like a young steve buscemi i was gonna going say on. steve buscemi yeah Were i there... think he's a very attractive man i think so too i and think in fact... because he's weird looking mm -hmm. like more i think the on there's an underrated aspect to hotness and it's being kind of weird looking mm -hmm. yeah yeah you can't be too generic mm-hmm yeah, so there's it, he says that he booked this place as well. So this place has been double booked, yep. apparently, uh, from different websites. And so what are they going to do? This whole first act. I love great. this first act because it, the whole first act is just you sitting there wondering, what is the horror movie? Mm -hmm. Like, what is going to happen? Because it sets up so many red herrings, kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> it's just so tense because you're immediately suspicious of Bill Skarsgård, which I think is neat casting because he is, like I said, he's kind of weird looking, but also handsome. And also, you know that he's Pennywise. Yeah. So it's just this weird, like, it's not, it wouldn't be a shock if he's the villain. And also the situation, you, it, it does a great job of putting you in her shoes because you instantly feel like something is wrong here and you're instantly just so on guard which this character also is yeah and it does a good job of having her be intelligent and cautious and that's a theme of the movie is how cautious she has to be he invites her in and she you know is is hesitant but she does go in and she immediately asks like hey can you pull up your reservation just so i can see that 
you're not lying. You, you do have a reservation here. And he does. And uh, he is a very awkward He reminds guy. me of Jeffrey from Men. Oh, yeah. He's not quite as... I'd say he's a better dude than Jeffrey, but it's the same kind of like being way too aware that he's interacting with a woman and calibrating everything he does and by that. Similarly, he takes a kind of uh, uh, chivalrous approach. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of times where he's like, uh, it, it's it's not up for debate. I will go get your bags for you. Yes. And um, when he eventually is like, well, you need a place to stay. We can both stay here. You can have the bedroom. It's it's not up for debate. I'll take the couch. Yeah, that's not. He offering. says that's not how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the reason she can't get a hotel room because I think we both instantly were like, she calls a hotel and it's booked, and we're like, bullshit. She's yeah. in Detroit and a hotel is just booked. But apparently, there's a, a giant medical convention in town, so everything's booked. Yep, so. so good job. Yes. Way to fix that. Because <laughs> yeah, as I, soon as she called and they were like, no rooms available, we were like. And then he was like, oh, yeah, there's a medical convention. We're like, okay. <laughs> okay, sure, yes. I There were a few things I wrote down that are such great little red herrings that I wrote down because I was wondering if they'd be followed up on. And they, I guess they kind of are in retrospect, but he tells her to, like, oh, knock yourself out when she oh. says she wants to get ready for bed. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, like, is he going to literally knock her out? Or mm-hmm. He offers her tea. And, and she says no, mm-hmm. and then he makes it for her anyway. And it's, it's, again, that kind of, like, being overly uh, gregarious and just, like, ingratiating. Um, again, the thing with, like, I won't let you sleep on the couch. He says Tess is a pretty name, which is a fine thing to say, but, like, it's this is a weird situation. Yeah, and it's a thing where if you're in that situation, that's not what you want to hear this random dude tell you. Yeah, not it within would, the first, like, ten minutes of meeting would, you. It would have me freaked out, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and he's also, like, a very tall guy, I think. I think he's, like, 6'5 or something, so there's the physical intimidation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he's, like, super jacked or anything, but, you know, he's a large man. She seems a pretty petite lady. Yeah. Uh, so... Again, he makes her tea even though she says no, and then she does not drink it. She does not touch that because, again, she is a smart, uh, cautious person. But while she's getting ready, she's she notices, like, okay, he's got his electric toothbrush plugged in. He's got, like, toiletries out, so... It, it seems legit that he is staying here. Right. It, he's not just camped out here to kidnap her. Yeah. Something. So it's like she starts to like put things together like, okay, I guess his story is legit. Uh, when she goes into the bedroom because he said that she can have it, uh, his wallet is in there. So she like checks it out and takes a picture of his ID even just in case. And so she's starting to be like, okay, I guess maybe his story is legit. And then she comes out and it's a great shot of her walking down the hall and so uh, the camera is tracking with her, and we see around the corner before she gets there, he is sitting at the table with the bottle of wine that, like, the Airbnb host left and two glasses, uh, two empty glasses. <laughs> and so it's, like, it's awkward and a little uh, unsettling. It's kind of like a fresh-type situation. It reminded me of fresh, too, yeah. yeah. But she, she turns the corner and sees him sitting there, and he's like, okay, so I know that you didn't take the tea because I made it, but... I figured I was going to have some wine, and in case you wanted any of it, I figured you should see me open it in case, just so you can trust me that I'm not, like, creepy. (laughs) Because also, the reason she kind of has to sit there with him is she understandably doesn't want to sleep on his dirty sheets. Mm -hmm. So So they have to wait for the laundry going. So she's just kind of stuck there for an hour anyway. So she sits down with him, and they start talking, and she... 
explains, yeah, I'm here for this job interview. It's for a research assistant position for a documentary filmmaker. He, She says that she did a documentary on jazz. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I saw that movie. And she's like, all right, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. no, you didn't. He's like, no, no, no. Like, it and was, he's able to describe yeah, it. Yeah, he's able to, like, describe scenes from it. And so she's like, oh, okay, you did actually see it. And that's, I think that's, like, a turning point for, for her. For sure. Yeah. That, and then when she says that this new documentary is about to be about Detroit and the art collectives there. Yeah. And he says, oh, I'm actually one of the founders of... Uh, the Lion Tamers. Lion Tamers. Is that a real organization? Or... I don't know. I just... Context clues. I'm like, okay, that's probably a urban... Uh, renewal. It'd be like, like the people who have space at Eastern Market. Yeah. Like those, uh, what are they called? The the farm in vacant lots that happen? Urban farming? Yeah, like yeah. Like those kinds of things. I feel like it's one of those situations. Mm-hmm. And so they start to connect. And uh, it, it's nice. They She does open up and ends up having the wine. And while they're waiting for the laundry, they- And they, they're cute together. They're so it, cute. Like in retrospect, this bums me out so much because he's like such a- He's sweet. Like, he's a bit misguided, and later he does some things where I'm like, oh, okay, dude. Like, that would be a little bit of a, is this a red flag for later in our relationship kind of thing? Okay, yeah. This choice that he makes or the way that he kind of acts, but... I don't know. This scene is sweet. And- I would have watched this rom-com. Yes. They're same. very cute. They have a lot of chemistry. They do have chemistry. Yeah. And she's talking about how she's in this weird on-off relationship that she she can't stop herself from, from going back, which will be a theme later. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. is a very uh, important aspect to her character. Just before we get too far away from it, there is a line early on when she is still testing the waters with him and trying to figure out what the situation is. Uh, he's like, do I look like a monster? Mm-hmm. Which is funny because he's Pennywise. Yeah. But also that plays into uh, later. So now that they're they're opening up and they're having real conversations, yeah. we get to the thematic statement of the movie. Yes. Because she talks about how different it is for men and women about how cautious they have to be. Right. And she was like, if you had shown up at the Airbnb and I was already here, and I invited you in, you wouldn't have thought twice about coming in. It would have been fine for you to do that. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, she says, I would just never have let you in. Are, yeah. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I would never just let you inside. I, I wouldn't have believed that you were coincidentally also double booked here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, women going into situations have to be to be careful. Um and cautious and just kind of it's always like an imagining a worst case scenario thing always whereas men can just barrel right in and take over that's what she says yeah Yeah. men can barrel right into situations without having to have uh the cautious thoughts that women do and i think that this is one of those aspects of uh like when some guys say that sexism isn't as prominent as people make it out to be or that like women complain too much about sexism i think this is one of those things that they're not thinking of it's yeah. just like the world's different yeah. for men and women yeah we used to live right next to a ralph's next door to it and it would be like late at night and i would have no second thought of running over there at one in the morning to go grab something ralph's is a grocery store and then I remember various times being like, you needed something. And I was like, all right, just go over there. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I don't want to go there by myself. Yeah. And it being a thing of me trying to explain, like, I don't feel comfortable walking 
even though it's right there next door. You just, you know, if you just have that fear ingrained in you of like an empty parking lot, parking structure, it just mm -hmm. gives me the, the GBs, you know? And that's actually where the idea for this movie came from. Zach Kreger uh, read The Gift of Fear, which is a 1997 book. Uh, the Gift of Fear, Survival Signals That Protect Us from Violence. And it is a book uh, written about uh, how every individual should learn to trust the inherent gift of their gut instinct. And I don't know if the book is uh, gender-specific, but I believe that he... Oh, he, he cites a section that encourages women to trust their intuition and not ignore these subconscious red flags that arise in their day-to-day -day interactions with men. So that inspired him to sit down and write, apparently, a 30-page scene that would incorporate as many of these red flags as possible, which is all this stuff with That's Bill Skarsgård. And then he decided that after writing that, that it was too predictable, and so he did the rest of this movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right, because it's not as interesting if, if Bill Skarsgård ends up being exactly what you assume yeah. him to be, which is part of... I think it's an interesting twist on it because that's something like in, in Fresh with her being afraid of the man walking up behind her, but it's just the guy with a baby, mm -hmm. right? Is it's And that is like most of our interactions with the world as, as women. Like most of the time, it's all fine. Mm -hmm. But still, you just never know. And that's what makes it so exhausting. So yeah, they, they have that conversation. They they He puts the duvet cover on the duvet. This is such <laughs> a cute scene. And this I still... Honestly, up until a certain point, I was—I still know. was so convinced. And this scene where he, so he, he's helping her put the duvet cover on the duvet, and he is like, inside like of it with an inside. It, it looks—it reminded me of Halloween a little bit, you know, like the oh, sheet yeah. ghost kind of. And he's got—he's grabbing each corner of it. And I thought that he, when he was like, "Okay, I need you to bring the duvet over to me to each corner," he was gonna like flip it and put her in it. Yeah. And basically, you know, kidnap her like like Borat kidnaps Pamela Anderson in the, <laughs> in the wife's sack or whatever. But but no. No, he just flips it in, and it's cute and it's just and they're laughing and then they, they they finish making the bed together and then they're just standing there like with this freshly made bed like mm. yep and like there's 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 chemistry between them but he's he's definitely going off of her yeah like he's not saying anything or making any moves he's mm -hmm. kind of waiting for her and then she you know does a well okay and then he's like okay all right, I'll go back out into the living room. Like he was just waiting to see, like, w but okay, all right, okay, I'll maybe maybe tomorrow night. Yeah, <laughs> he's not like another character that we meet later. Who yeah, might have tried and to that push that's it. the thing. This movie shows you. I mean, it's very intentional. All these things with Bill Skarsgård. It's a spectrum of men as far as like how dangerous they are to women, and Bill Skarsgård is the the least. Where it's like unintentionally. Uh, scary or intimidating and maybe trying to be cognizant of those things but not always succeeding mm -hmm. and then in a bit he'll still have his own faults that are minor in comparison to these other characters that we'll meet they're all on like the same spectrum of what this movie is trying to uh convey and kind of like pontificate on mm -hmm. the spectrum of like men's danger to women and again it's like it it works because it feels a bit more honed in than something like men where it just feels kind of like different aspects of sexism just kind of pulled from where they 
don't necessarily all feel cohesive, whereas this feels like a specific kind of binary of like uh, sexual danger, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they go to bed and she does not lock her door, which like that's the first time I'm like, oh, girl, come on. Yeah. The Ooh. door the door ends up creaking open and then she hears noises and it's yeah, him. She hears like a like a weird sucking noise. It's yeah. Like a... And that might be a character we meet later. I'm not sure. I think so, because nighttime is when when she comes out. Mm-hmm. But she also hears other noises, and it's Bill Skarsgård on the couch, like, having a nightmare, like, yeah. having some night terrors. Mm-hmm. And she wakes him up, and he's all freaked out. But she's like, did you open my door? And he's like, no. Yeah, no, what the fuck? <laughs> then they're both it, – it's just super awkward. You can tell she's really embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And she goes back to the room and locks the door. Yeah. Goes to sleep and wakes up, and it's morning. And I'm like, oh, we made it through the night. Yeah. Okay. Movie's over. <laughs> uh, so she goes to the interview, and it's in Detroit. Yeah, I think we see Campus Martius briefly. She's in, like, kind of, like, like downtown Detroit, mm-hmm. which looks very different than its its surrounding immediate suburbs. Well, that's the thing, actually. Okay, yeah, this is a yeah. good time to talk about all that. Oh, no, no, I was going to say something we missed in this movie is when, he, when she says, I'm going to go out very... Early on, when they find out it's double booked, she's like, I'm going to call hotels. I'm just going to go out to the car and do that. He's like, did you not get a good look at this neighborhood? You should, you can just do it in here while it's dry and safe and there's a lock on the door. Because I'm assuming she got there real late. We open yeah, up. Yeah, we see it at night when she gets there. It's like dark it's as hell. Dark. She's looking None down the None of the, the houses have lights on. You can't see anything. I do. I love the shot when it's from her POV looking at all that. Because you get that weird kind of um, background lighting like because there's a porch light on and it's basically getting all diffused through the rain and stuff so you can't quite see see anything it's really the darkest block ever yeah and then in the morning when she goes to leave for her interview holy shit the house that she's in is the only house that is functional yeah all the other houses around her are like look like they've been bombed yeah Yeah. Yeah. it looks like fucking stalingrad or some shit yeah just shells has reclaimed this street and so this is uh i'm not sure what was filmed because as zach uh tweeted at me they did film in brightmore which is the The neighborhood that this takes place yeah that's like a west side neighborhood that it's not like by dearborn maybe it's by dearborn heights and livonia okay and so that's the but those side. Those are kind of nicer places, or at least, oh, I mean, I mean, that's no, that's no, the sto- getting, that's no? the story okay. of Detroit. That yeah, you're a West Sider, There's Russell. Parts of Livonia, like as you get closer to Detroit, it starts to get more Detroit. Like oh, you know, okay. Expect Livonia. I'm from Farmington, which is neighbors Livonia. Yeah. It's just like it's just it's a wave of the closer you get to Detroit. Yeah. The more of those empty houses you see, the more of the blight, and it, it's a bummer because you can also see the bones of what it. Mm-hmm. And it's like this used to be in like a really nice neighborhood when, yeah. it, when it was full of people. Now there just aren't as many people. Yeah. yeah. That's Detroit. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the story of Detroit, too, is it's really nice next to abandoned, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's because of decades of, of white flight and the kind of prioritization over suburbs versus city. Which um, causes a shrinking tax base, which means no money going into the city yeah. for upkeep. And yeah. then, yeah, it's a city built for like 2,000 people. Yeah. And now it's down to fucking, what, 700 I mean, or uh, Yeah, it's a city built for like 2 million people. And now it's down to like 700 100k mm-hmm. or something just a shrinking population i think it fell out of the top 30 
last census, which yeah. like that's fuck. wild, yeah. Man. But yeah, this side of Detroit I'm not as familiar with. Uh, yeah, me neither. Side. Yeah. Dad's from Harper Woods, which is like right next to Detroit. Same area code. You're from the same area code also. Lincoln Park, yeah. Yeah. So that's 313. My mom was from East Detroit, which is now East Point. They've changed the name in like the early 90s. Um, and then like, I don't know, they both worked in Detroit. I spent a lot of time down there. I worked downtown briefly. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we've just, but that's all like East side. Yeah. We, we tend to go to the East side when we visit and downtown. And uh, I wasn't familiar with Brightmore. No, because again, it, that's kind of far from where I'm where you yeah yeah it's closer to me but still it's the other side of the city mm -hmm. yeah so um I wasn't familiar with it I don't know how much was shot there because I know that like Zach said they they shot some establishing shots at least and then her interview was shot in the city it's clear but uh I believe the block like the house itself and the block around it was uh built in Sofia Bulgaria which is where they shot most of the movie mm -hmm. uh sure it's cheaper i mean the same thing happened with don't breathe they mm -hmm. was it hungary or where did they shoot I forget. I forget don't breathe and don't breathe too similarly took place in detroit shot in eastern europe uh just for financing reasons thanks um, rick snyder thanks rick snyder so you know my guess is because he said zach said we shot in brightmore I'm guessing it's the shots when she leaves to go to her interview and they're like driving mm -hmm. shots showing the houses. I think so too. And then Cause any, those felt like real. Yeah. And then any shots on the block, which is by the way, Barbary street is where yeah. she's staying. So barbarian is the people on Barbary street. Right. Uh, as soon as she said that, I was like, ah, okay, that's it. Uh, or one of the interpretations of the, title anyway so uh yeah in the tweet that zach responded to i said i would love for a horror movie that takes place in detroit to either not focus on how shitty and rundown of a city it is or at least film there and that's why he said we did film in brightmore um but i'm just thinking you know it's hard not to think of don't breathe when we talk about this especially because of the stuff that happens later mm -hmm. and it's just like uh, both those movies are set in Detroit because it allows them to have these horrors take place in a house and yet still be isolated. Yeah. With a lot of horror movies, you're always looking for why can't they get outside help? And so yeah. that's why summer camps are such a popular setting for horror movies because you're so isolated. Detroit allows you to have a uh nominally residential area but still be isolated because of the abandoned houses and as we see in this movie the indifference or uh, inability of the police to help due yeah. to the resources it is like a good i i it, i like it in theory because it also not only does it kind of give you this feeling of of desolation or just you're in the middle of nowhere and no one's there to help you. There's also just this feeling of danger, danger where yeah. it's like, am I even safe if I'm outside of the house, you know? And it's kind of like that, I guess is interesting. I think that feeling is also why something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre works really well because it's just, it's houses with nothing around it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same kind of, you know, it's a different setting, but it's the same core idea of seeing a house either in the middle of nowhere or in the middle of this, like, seemingly abandoned neighborhood and just wondering, but what if? Like, what could be going on in there? Yeah. But it does 
suck when <laughs> that's Detroit in horror movies. When that's all the depiction we get. And uh, so far, the only Detroit-based horror movie that I really love that it takes place there is It Follows. Yeah. Because that kind of touches on that. It, it Follows takes place mostly in the suburbs and did actually film there and uh, moves into the city for its final act. And they have a brief discussion about the difference between those locations and how their yeah. parents never let them go there. The tension between suburbs and city and the history between the two is so present in It Follows, and I think it handles it really well. It's present here, too. And it I is. do the flashback. The scene. flashback, I will say, mm -hmm. earned a lot of goodwill for me. It does. Because yeah. of a specific conversation between some characters that yep. I was like, okay, at least this feels a bit more aware of why the city is the way it is. And it isn't just like, oh, Detroit's a shithole because it's a shithole. Yeah, it is better than Don't Breathe in that regard. Yeah. Where that movie is just like, Detroit sucks. The characters just want to get out of here. Yeah. And like, sure, parts of Detroit are like that. We're not. I'm not going to deny that. It's, yeah. A lot of it is run down. A lot of it is dangerous and scary. But like, man, being from the Detroit area... <laughs> our whole lives have been listening to how much our city sucks and just he having it be a punch and you get tired of it after a while, especially yeah. when you go there and you know that like there are really good parts of it and yeah. the people who are there are good people. And it, it, there's this kind of feeling that when people talk about Detroit in a certain way that they almost blame the people who live there for it. And it's, that's just not the case. And so even the parts of it that are, you know, that do look like they, look in this movie mm -hmm. it's not because the people who live there are just doing it on purpose and hate themselves and hate you know it, it's this weird kind of i don't know it just it it puts a lot of the, the blame on people who are just the victims of like bad economic policy and racism mm -hmm. you know and that's that's what bums me out so much about portraying the city this way is it's just very I don't know. It just feels kind of mean. And yeah. so, I, and again, I will say this this movie does address that in a flashback that I think is so necessary. And if it didn't do that, my feelings about this would be a lot different. Yeah, so individually, I don't think this movie's being too egregious. No, it's, it's when use. it becomes a a theme, you know? Yeah. And, and I, just, I just want a Detroit horror movie that, again, is either not about those themes or is really filmed there. <laughs> the That's crow. all I want. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the crow, which is not, it just, it happens to be in Detroit. But besides that, there's nothing about it. Yeah. That is Detroit or RoboCop. Yeah. Which is the, neither of them were filmed there. Very obviously. So like, get, let me see my city. I can't even call it my city. Let me see that city. That was so important to yeah. all of us uh, growing up and, you know, affected us and our parents. Uh, and let us see an accurate depiction of it, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all we want. Anyway, she goes to this interview, and when she when she tells the person she's interviewing with where she's staying, that woman she's is like, like, "You you shouldn't be there. You should not be in Brightmoor. Yeah. It's like, no, seriously, you shouldn't be there." And Tess says, "No, it's it's fine. It's cool. I'm staying with a guy, and you know he's great. And it it's so interesting because." This movie, this is an instance where you're kind of yelling at her in your head, like, oh, man, no, because you don't know at this point that Bill Skarsgård's, like, mm -hmm. chill. So you're still skeptical, and it's like, oh, my gosh, why? But this is another instance of this character always returning to things. Yeah, and it's another thing. It's also a thing where women are, uh, you know, pressured to be... 
Be um, cool. We're pressured to be chill and to not overthink things. And, and it, that goes for the woman she's interviewing with, too, because she's like, no, you really shouldn't be there. Okay. All right. If you say you got it, you mm-hmm. know, even though maybe should have been like, no, please come stay with me or something, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, she goes back home and, and there's a really cool shot of like, just a guy running at her from the far background. Mm-hmm. He's out of focus. Why is that always scary? I can I think know. of a it's few of horror things. movies that have done it, and it always kind of when, freaks when me out. When something's in the back running towards camera, or like even if it's audio, if you just hear like the. It's my favorite part of Friday 2. Is it Friday 2 where he's kind of through a window, like running? Or is that 3? Might be Friday three. I can't remember, but there's oh, like a long shot. Friday three at the very end, the dream sequence when he co- he like pops out and then he comes out. Yeah, I think that's one of the creepiest fucking shots. Yeah, and like get out. There's mm-hmm. like the guy running too. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I always like it. It freaks me out. She like barely gets into the house and closes the door behind her, and this guy's like, "Hey, little girl, get yeah, out of that get house." Out of that. And I I had a sense when we saw this guy. I just I had such a gut feeling, and I was right that he. He knows something. Is it the same guy from the end? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That he knows something and he's not a bad guy. Yeah. I was like, because at first I, I was like, I, I was like, I can't see this movie being like, ooh, the scary black guy kind of Yeah, the thing. scary homeless guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We will see that he is later trying to warn her, mm-hmm. uh, but she yells at him to go away and he does. And tragically, she's wrong about this guy. To be fair, I... I would be alarmed too if a guy was running at me and calling me little girl. <laughs> yeah. I would lock myself in the house as well. Hey, I want to talk to you this week about Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a wellness brand with a huge range of products to help you sleep better, perform better, have more energy, and recover faster. Their products help you naturally address the issues of our modern day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. James and I love Bond Charge's 100% blackout sleep masks. Look how cozy and sleepy James looks in the video version here. Both James and I are very bad at getting good sleep, which is an extremely important part of your overall health and well-being. Bond Charge blackout masks help with so many issues that come from a bad night of sleep, including frequently waking up during the night, falling asleep during the day, and not being able to focus. Personally, I've tried dozens of sleep masks, and I particularly like these because they don't put pressure on your eyes. They have little cups that go around your eyes instead, so your eyelids lashes don't feel like they're getting jammed into your eyes either. Bond Charge ships worldwide in record time from Australia, which is where all of their products are made. Aside from sleep masks, they also have red light therapy devices, blue light glasses, and low blue light bulbs. If you want to try out Bond Charge products, you can go to bondcharge.com deadmeat and use the coupon code deadmeat to save 20%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com deadmeat and use the coupon code deadmeat to save 20%. Our next sponsor this week is Dadgrass. Summer is coming to an end and fall is here, which means scary season. Do you want to be the person who accidentally smokes too much weed and gets too high and calls the police on their neighbor's 12-foot tall skeleton decoration? Don't be that neighbor. Halloween time should be fun scary, not scary scary. Enjoy a chill CBD joint instead from Dadgrass. Dadgrass is legal organic hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind. They're extremely easy to dose and the effects come on smooth. They offer a variety of products from their token smokable pre-rolled joints, as well as hemp flower and a variety of CBD tincture drops. Enjoy the effects of CBD while keeping a clear head. The best part is that all Dadgrass products are 
federally legal for ages 18 and over, and it ships right to your door anywhere in the U.S. Go to dadgrass.com slash deadmeat to check out their products. And right now, Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash deadmeat. Go to dadgrass.com slash deadmeat for 20% off your first order. That's dadgrass.com slash deadmeat. Our last sponsor this week is Fume. You know what's scarier than the 12 foot tall skeleton that lives in the yard next door? Trying to kick a nicotine habit. There's so many factors that make quitting nicotine hard, particularly if you smoke cigarettes or vape. Like biting your nails or constantly checking your phone, the physical hand-to-mouth motion of smoking is a really specific and difficult habit to break. If this resonates with you, you've got to check out Fume. Fume is the natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, and more natural way to quit cigarettes. It's a no-smoke, no-vape, and no-nicotine replacement for the hand-to-mouth habit of smoking. Fume is made of 100% Canadian maple and uses cores infused with plant oils studied to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with mint notes to simulate menthol cigarettes and other flavors like lemonberry bliss for a sweeter experience. I've tried them myself and they are delicious. The pipe you use with it is also super, super cute. And all of their flavors are 100% natural. No harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, and absolutely no nicotine. Not only does Fume help with the quitting process, they also have support beyond quitting with over a dozen cores for relaxation, energy, and more. Whether you're a smoker or ex-smoker who still struggles with cravings, Fume is the perfect tool for you. It's time to create positive habits and quit naturally with Fume and we're here to make it easier. Right now, if you head to breathefume.com slash deadmeat and use promo code deadmeat, you're going to save 10% off your entire order. You're going to save on the cigarettes you aren't buying and save on your initial purchase of Fume. That's 10% off your entire order when you head to breathefume.com slash deadmeat and use code deadmeat. She's back in the house. Keith's still not there. She's by herself. She needs toilet paper, goes into the basement, and the door going into the basement closes behind her and locks her in. So mm-hmm. she's kind of locked down there. And then she sees this rope coming out of the wall. Yeah, she sees this weird kind of like clay statue that she moves out of the way. And then there's a rope sticking out of a hole. So she starts pulling on it and it pulls open a secret door. Secret door in the basement. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's dark in there. There's no lights. And she looks in it and she says, nope. Yep. And <laughs> which I feel would have been funnier had nope not come out it's, the same year. Yeah. It kind of gets undercut by that same joke being in a movie titled nope. Yeah, yeah. Earlier. I had that thought too. Yeah. So she's sitting on the stairs and she she locked, did you say she locked her phone in the bathroom upstairs? Her phone, she so does she not have her phone. she doesn't have her phone. So yep. she, but she's just so, I mean, I'd be curious too what's in there. Mm-hmm. So she uses a mirror that she kind of angles with the ceiling light to kind of flash light. Like into, in The Mummy. Like, or in D&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she sees it's kind of a, it's a hallway that she just, she starts walking down and this is, our theater is, is, starting to get a little antsy and is yelling at the screen telling her not to do it so at the end of this hall there's a doorway on the left another door no no this is just the first door another door is later when we we're both like is door city down here though she she goes to the left and uh this room has a light this room very bright sucks this room is the worst uh energy of all the rooms in this movie that's because this room has a very dirty mattress on the floor 
a bucket and next a camcorder on a tripod and a camera on a tripod pointed at the bed and a bloody hand and a bloody handprint wall. on the wall she gets out of there yep she sees Bill Skarsgård coming home and she's locked. Through the basement window. Which yeah. I think is funny. She's she's kind of hitting that window and it's like a reverse Pennywise where he's kind of <laughs> looking down there and she's like, she's oh, like, hello. Hi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he helps her kind of get the, um, the window open so she can give him, because she had the keys to the house. So mm-hmm. she gives him the keys. He gets her out of the basement. She runs up and is like, yeah, I'm getting the fuck out I'm of leaving. here. I'm leaving. She sorry. starts collecting her stuff. And this is when... This is what I was talking about earlier when yeah. he's like, whoa, like, okay, well, you know, calm down. Like what? He's, she's trying to leave and he's in her way. Yeah. He's preventing her from leaving. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like, just please, I want to like, just, just hear like, me I out. just want to understand why you're so upset. And this is a thing where I think, I think this is an interesting scene because he can't just accept that she's scared and wants to leave. He has to, it has to make sense to him yeah. too. And he has to be the rational one about it. Which I get to some degree. And maybe that's me being a guy of like, I would also want to yeah. see for sure just to see what we're dealing with, you know? Yeah. But also if she's running and is like, no, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. Why wouldn't you trust that? Maybe I'm a Keith, you know? Maybe I would wind up doing what Keith does because he's like, I want to see what you're yeah, talking about. She just, she's like, there's a secret doorway and there's a room with a with a bed and a camera and a bucket, which sounds. That, that description does sound creepy. He's like, I don't know. That doesn't sound that. Yeah, it's he's like, like, I don't know. There's a bed and a bucket. Yeah. The, the way he says bed and a bucket for some reason made me laugh very hard. But, yeah. And so and it's like, like, I just want to see it for myself. I, kind of I, I didn't see it. Sorry if it doesn't seem that I'm taking you seriously. I I, I just want to see it for myself. That's yeah. what he says. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I understand on some level. Uh, but it, it, it plays into the theme. And uh, mm-hmm. so he has to go down there uh, mm-hmm. to see for himself. And she calls out like, do you see it? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then he kind of goes radio silent and she's like waiting for him to come back. Yeah. But he's not. So she starts to go downstairs. The door starts to close again. And she like stops it and props it open with a chair. And when she's going down the stairs to go get him, our audience. Dude, our, our theater yelling. is screaming at like, her. No. Calling her stupid. <laughs> like everyone is going apeshit and is like, it, the reaction's great. I mean, that's what you want in a horror movie. Yeah. But also it is fascinating the way that we I mean granted we are following her perspective we don't see Bill Skarsgård start to really explore I think he just kind of disappears but no one is yelling at him like no why wouldn't why are you going down there she told you what's down there you idiot why are you going down there nothing like that Mm -hmm. but then she goes back down there for a reason she thinks maybe he's hurt or so it's, I get thinking that she's stupid, but also she is a human and is empathetic and it seems like a good person and is like, all right, I, if he's hurt, possibly I'm going to go look for him. And I don't know if I would do the same in her situation, but I think it's, it's at least admirable, mm-hmm. even though it is frustrating in the moment to watch her do it because i mean we know we're watching a horror movie yeah. so yeah we have that benefit uh too as an audience yeah at least now she has her cell phone with the light on it and so she goes down there goes through the tunnel goes to that room and he's not there she yeah. even looks under the bed yeah so where where's go? bill Skarsgård? so she she walks out of that room she's still in this tunnel and she realizes 
another door. Yep, the wall, the back wall of this hallway opens up and there's another door. And this door opens up and it is a descending Dude, staircase. We're it, we're in the fucking Phantom of the Opera now. This is like what that tunnel looks like in the Joel Schumacher one where it the just, mirror opens up and he's he's got that boat down there and It stuff. just looks like a giant drill bored yeah. through the earth and it's just earth and stone and some wooden stairs. And she's calling out for him, and she hears him yelling for it's help. It's very faint, but she hears him. And I'm like, why is he just saying help? Why isn't he say, giving any more information? So, like, I'm skeptical. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is? But she, since he's calling for help and saying, help me, she goes down yep. there. Yep, audience the stairs. is going wild. Yeah, and it goes deep, dude. Yeah. And she gets down to the bottom, and it's more tunnels, and she starts walking down, and it's pitch black. Mm-hmm. She walks past a little there's offshoot. There's a little side room where there's a bunch of dog cages. Bunch with of rusty old cages with, with, like, food bowls in them and stuff. Oh, God. And uh, then she, she still hears him calling out for help, and so she continues on, and huge jump scare oh man this when scared he the crawls shit out into of me. her light and i'm like fuck yeah. okay is this it bill skarsgård's bad guy and he's look he looks terrified he says there's someone else down here they bit me and she wants to go back from where she came and he says like no that's uh, he thinks that they're that way so he wants to go like deeper or whatever they're yeah like, i'm not sure what his reasoning i don't is. know what his reasoning is but during the argument also his eyeball is wild now this whole time his his eye does that thing like it in drifts. in it yeah where it can drift in like other directions that they i guess discovered on the side of it he could just do like that's not <laughs> cg or anything and it i think when he gets really emotional here it just starts it starts having a life of its own, which I think is great. Uh, and then a scary naked woman comes out of the shadows, grabs Bill Skarsgård, and busts his head open Dude, against the wall. Ooh, just totally pulverizes his head. Yeah. It, it gets turned to mush. Just murders just the fuck out of him. Pure dog meat looking and, head. And after Tess this. is just like standing there in <laughs> shock. And then it cuts to a California beach. Yeah. Then it cuts to we're on the beach, boy. With Donovan playing. With Donovan, yeah, Ricky Tiki Tavi, and it's Justin Long in a convertible, uh, driving down the the PCH. PCH, I assume. Yep, singing along with Ricky Tiki Tavi, even like the the verbal spoken parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> More Donovan in movies, please. We love Donovan here. On yeah. The uh, so this is one of those things with the unorthodox structure, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love that all of a sudden we're here with Justin Long. I I did not know Justin Long was in this movie. So, um, I did, but I forgot, you forgot until he showed good. up and I just, oh yeah. Which is great. Cause like, you know, this first act you're going through it. If, if you know, he's in this movie, then you're probably sitting there wondering when he's going to show yeah, up. Yeah. I, I just totally forgot, which I was very glad I did. So he's an actor named AJ and yeah. he seems to be having a real good time. Yeah, Cause he just filmed a pilot for a show called chip off the block. Yep. I wrote down the show name and it got picked up and he's excited until he gets a phone call. And they say this is an awkward conversation to have, but uh, Megan Maddox, your co-star, has made accusations against you. Yeah. He's like, did the show get canceled? And they're like, well, uh, essentially, that's the most likely outcome. And even if it does go on, you will not be a part of it. And uh, this is a vote. The people on the phone, I believe, are the director, Mm -hmm. um, 
Zach and his wife, I believe. Oh, Sarah the, Paxton. Yes, Sarah Paxton yeah. is uh, the the woman. Yeah. Telling Justin Long about the accusations made against her, and uh, I believe this is an intentional callback. The uh, director Zach Kreger is saying continuously to Justin Long for him to calm down. You calm down. Just calm Just down, calm John. Down. Listen to the woman, John. Calm down. <laughs> and uh, you know he starts saying that bitch, which mm-hmm. you know. Not the right yeah, response. Um, it doesn't uh, make you look great. And interestingly, he's still driving during all this until he finds out that he won't be a part of the show anymore. And that's when he pulls over. That is an interesting choice that it's not the rape allegation that makes him stop the car and pull mm. over. It's And you're also probably not going to be on the show yeah. anymore. And he pulls over and uh, stares at the ocean for a little bit. And uh, yeah, I thought... So... At this point, you know, his response does seem to be in disbelief at this allegation made against him. Um, so I, at this point, I'm like, all right, let's see. I'm assuming that, you know, he probably did it. But, like, let's let's see what, what happens with this character. Yeah, Is it going to be like a false I accusation? was very curious where this was going to go because in my mind it's going to go a few ways. One is he actually did it and he becomes this – Either we he kind of is vilified, and rightfully so, if it is the case where, like, yeah, he did do this. Or we're doing a weird redemption thing, which I was not excited about. Again, don't about. breathe, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't breathe, too. Or he didn't do it, and this was going to be a weird, like, this is what happens, and men's lives get ruined kind of thing, which I also was not down with. But I do think that, you know, it's his response to calling her a bitch and stuff is, like, an immediate red flag it's the way he talks about women yeah because even if it were a completely fabricated accusation which you know uh rare but will occasionally happen um i think that even even if you want if you were falsely accused and you had those feelings of like that bitch you can't say that. Right, right. Not not talking to legal or anything. You can't say that. Yeah. And there have been real life cases where uh, uh, celebrities or other people have been accused of things. And it, I don't know how the story is truthfully, but, but the, the male's reaction is they... like, yeah, to say they're yeah. a crazy bitch. And I'm like, dude, even if it didn't happen. You're not helping. You're not your helping. Case. Yourself, yeah, yeah. You the, yeah. The way that you talk about that person or women in general. Is yeah. Like, Mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's interesting uh, that this that this comes up, and it's just part of the theme. Um, he does he meets with his wealth manager, who's like, yeah. "You are going to run out of money in three months. Uh, you have those properties in Michigan, yeah. so maybe do something with those. Also, find a new wealth manager." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he flies back to detroit to attempt to liquidate all his properties and so what i'm he owns these houses and uses like a, a, a company. management company yeah, yeah. he just owns it and out. then makes passive income right off of right it. uh his his lawyer is talking to him on the phone and is not pleased that he f- uh, seemingly fled the yeah. state again doesn't look great <laughs> yep. for him to just leave i love that when he's in michigan he gets a call from his mom and who doesn't realize that her son is in She's like, we, your dad and I would love to see you. It's only a four-hour flight to Detroit. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, but then he immediately gets a call right after from his friend and just instantly goes out to hang with that guy. Well, yeah, that that whole thing is uh, funny. One, there's this weird thing where he's washing his face while he's talking to his mom, and she's like, I can't understand you. You sound like you're in a race car, which is funny because his previous phone call, he was in a convertible on the PCH, (laughs) and they were fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was like an intentional joke of contrast or whatever. But yeah, when he's talking to his mom, He's expressing all this like worry and like, mom, I I didn't do it like, and just all this concern. And then he abruptly ends the call with her to pick up a call from his, uh, like a hometown friend and is like, drops that. What up F bomb? Yeah. Like gay slur. And like, I, I saw at least one person complain about the use of this, but to me it feels so real. And the first big clear indication that this guy sucks. Yeah, I think that this line, I understand being upset by it. I'm not going to like discount anyone feeling like it kind of caught them off guard. And I can understand, again, it, it's it's part of the thesis of this movie that like if you, uh, people, like we all live different lives. And for someone who experiences life in a different way than I do, I can't say whether or not that something like that line is inherently upsetting because mm-hmm. I don't navigate through the world in the same way that other people do who would hear that and it would maybe catch them off guard and mm-hmm. feel kind of shitty. But I do think that it's so indicative of who this person is. And I don't, I think this is a, a very clear example of, of depiction, not being endorsement. Yeah. And I think it just, it, it feels like a real depiction. To me. I think like that this guy would do that. I think it's very purposefully put there to maybe reassure you as an audience that like this guy sucks and he whatever he's gonna say about his side of the story probably isn't tr- you know I mm-hmm. I think it's it's a kind of storytelling thing to make you understand that like no he's a piece it's of it's a shit. red flag yeah. yeah exactly it is it's a red flag and oh and we didn't say he is in the house. And it's two weeks later. Oh, after, yeah, that's yeah. right. So this he, is his property. He's staying at, at the the house. And when he gets there, everything is how we last saw it. The the door to the basement's propped open with a chair. The electric toothbrush is still plugged in. And it's fucking hilarious how he's going around. And he sounds like exactly what I would say while seeing all yeah, this stuff. Just like, fuck the fuck, yeah, dude. dude. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> and he calls the management company and is like, hi, uh, there's someone staying here and then they say no one's stayed there for a couple weeks yeah so we know it's been a few weeks weeks. yeah Yeah. and they say their their policy is to clean it before a new state (laughs) begins rather than after a previous day ends yeah which is this is a very incompetent management company yeah uh but yeah so he goes out with his hometown friend also played by the director, Zach yeah. Greger. And they're at a bar and they're like having this loud conversation where they're yelling at each other. And the, the friend is like, well, tell me what really happened. Yeah, you can tell me like we're bros. It's yeah. cool. And so like, and this is probably the most honest he can bring I think himself too. to be. I think this, this is, is a- his genuine side of things, which I think makes the whole thing a bit more insidious too, because I think this is such an honest depiction of like probably the way the majority of people who've done things like this feel about their side of things they're yeah. not like well ha ha i did this yeah he's I'm like i didn't to- i didn't rape her i didn't like throw her down or like you know keep her and and rape her uh she just needed like persuading some convincing he's like you know me i'm persistent yeah and, and even the friend is like like, did she say no? He was like yeah she said you know like, like oh, yeah, yeah at first, first she was like no 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 but, but then, then like she got really into it yeah uh, so yeah, it was a coercion, 
uh, uh, rape by coercion, I guess, mm -hmm. as opposed to by force, but uh, still, you know, uh, obviously a problem. Yeah. Um, and this is, yeah, this, I mean, that conversation is when it's like, okay, so that's who this guy is. Right. And oh. I, again, I think that's like the most honest, at least from his POV, like that's, that's truly what he thinks happened is like, she just needed some convincing. Yeah. And then he, he, after he gets back and he's drunk, he calls her and leaves a voicemail oh again, gosh. against the express, uh, command of his lawyer. And the voicemail is, you know, he's saying, I'm sorry if I, if I, if I did something that offended you yeah. that night. Um, I hope you can forgive me. I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And it, it's very much making it a thing where like they're both, it was just a misunderstanding. Right. And they and both have equal things to be sorry for, or it was just both of them making a mistake. He says, I'm actually not even mad at you about it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. at this point you're like, okay, I'm cool seeing Justin Long get killed. At some yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> And it's, it's an interesting thing, too, because it's why this type of thing is so scary, because someone who does something like that, you know, I don't think most people walk around thinking that, like, I'm a bad person. Oh, yeah. And I do bad things. Yeah. Most people, if you ask, like, most people, they're going to say they're a good person, and that's something he kind of grapples with later. Like, am mm -hmm. I a good person, and I did a bad thing, or what? And, you know. Uh, so, you know, he's drunk, he's, he's in the Airbnb and he is like, who the fuck was staying here? I do like that. Uh, I had to be on purpose, but he has a copy of Jane Eyre in his suitcase. Keith did. Oh, Keith did. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I was like, he's it'd be weird if AJ shit. brought Jane yeah. Eyre. Okay. That makes more sense. But <laughs> Keith has a copy of Jane Eyre. Oh, uh, do you get it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Keith has a copy of Jane Eyre, and in that book, there's this kid, Mr. Rochester, who's the love interest, has his wife, like, locked in the attic of his house, and she ultimately dies by jumping off the roof of the, the estate. Also, pause, just to say, Justin Long, fucking great He's in this movie. He's so good Like, everyone's this, yeah. good in this movie, but Justin, Justin Long, Long plays this character really so fucking well. And he's at, at the same time, like, reprehensible, and also hilarious in just his actions. He he's trying to uh, he finds Tess's laptop and he opens it and sees her name. He tries one attempt he at putting in a password, password password, and then it's like whatever. And he th he tosses it like a frisbee and it lands on the table behind him. Our audience reacted loudly to that, like <laughs> oh fuck, yeah. like throwing a laptop. <laughs> yeah. And then possibly the hardest I laughed in this whole movie is when he goes into the basement because he sees it's propped open and he hears a noise. He's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm coming down there. He, he says, I'm a fucking man. I'll fuck you up. This guy is very much is, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this masculinity idea. So he goes there. down there with a flashlight and like the tiniest little knife they found in the kitchen. And that's when he sees the rope pulls on it. Secret door. Yep. And secret tunnel, secret room. He sees the so he sees the bed with the camera and a bucket. Yep. He sees all this, and then an immediate smash cut to him googling, "Does underground tunnel count towards square footage of house?" And it, it I laughed so hard. This sequence is so fucking it's funny. It's so goddamn funny. Because he's reading about how like no, it can't count as gross living area, but it can be counted separately in square footage. And he's like jackpot. He takes a tape measure and he, and this relates back to the conversation earlier about how men can just barrel into situations yep. where women are cautious. 
where earlier we saw Tess very cautiously go down this tunnel. He is ass first yeah, measuring, measuring the length and width of this tunnel and the rape room, yeah. the very obvious rape room. Yeah, and then when he finds the other secret door, oh my God, he <laughs> measures that tunnel and he just keeps hitting the jackpot over and over. He sees the little offshoot of the area with dog cages. He gets out, he's yeah, measuring Yeah, he pauses that. and then measures it's that little offshoot. so funny. It's so funny. Everyone in the theater is laughing. This guy, he has no curiosity about this. He no, just it's just that know. square footage, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, he finds another room. Yeah, this is a room we haven't seen mm -hmm. yet. It's got like a pink glow to it because on the TV, uh, there's a little TV in it playing a video about breastfeeding. Yeah, it's this weird like kind of 80s VHS about breastfeeding your baby and taking care of your baby. And mm -hmm. there's, there's just like weird blankets all over the rooms. It's like, what the fuck? And he's holding the tape measure and something yanks on it. Yes. <laughs> so the tape measure not only hilarious, also uses it as a scare. Uh, I did see someone say something about um, this movie, Above Ground is directed like David Fincher and Below Ground like Sam Raimi. Cause these shots, I got some Sam Raimi vibes. They get too. real weird. There's like a POV shot of him looking down the tunnel with his arms. That's like a super wide shot, and his arms look like they're yeah. It's like a and then video there's game. these kind of angles on him holding up the flashlight that are really like almost fisheye, and it, yeah, that reminded me of Evil Dead and a bunch of like little push-ins and like yeah. pull-outs and it's stuff. Good. It's fun. Which, like, it's good direction. Good Michigan, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, uh, Naked Lady's back. And she chases him and he, he... He falls into a hole. He falls into a hole and then looks up and a gate, a metal grate gets uh, put over the hole to lock him in there. And then he turns and Tess is there telling him to be quiet. And smash cut. We're doing something else now. Yep. Flashback to the 80s, apparently. Yep. And it's this exact same house, but now the neighborhood's pristine. All the mm -hmm. lawns are perfect. It's very bright. I mean, it's is it astroturf? It looks like it. It kind of. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was for set building purposes. Yeah, but, but like the house is in good condition. All the other houses around it are in good condition. And I think this is what Zach was telling me in the DMs of why they had to they recreate had to be, it yeah. was so they could do the flashback. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Richard Brake also in this movie. Fuck yeah. He's always a little freak in everything he's, he's in. He's always so... The, the most... Uh, the least threatening he ever was, and he was still... The Night King? In Game <laughs> no, of Thrones? In Mandy. Oh, sure, he's yeah. like the drug the, maker. Yeah, with the tiger. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, hey, man, I don't <laughs> want any problems. Yeah. Like, at, besides that role, Richard Brake is always terrifying. He's a little nasty guy in everything he he's in. Nasty. He's a Rob Zombie buddy. I was going to say, he's part of the Rob <laughs> Zombie crew, for sure. He's in that new Monsters, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Richard Brake lives in this house back yep. when it was, uh, nicer mm -hmm. and he gets in his car and they're talking about the Reagan administration. Yeah. He so turns that's... on the radio. I saw someone on Twitter being like the actual villain of barbarian Reagan. <laughs> he goes to the store and asks about plastic sheets Yeah, and stuff for a home birth. It's, this is an interesting interaction too, because the woman at the store, I think is kind of put off by like plastic sheets and then, oh, okay. Oh, you need diapers. Okay. And I, then I think she overcompensates helping him because she so badly wants to convince herself that like, no, no, it's cool. This guy's not weird. Mm -hmm. It's a similar thing that we, it's similar to how 
we talked about like Tessa or Tess is kind of convincing herself like, no, 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 like this guy's fine. I'm staying here. It's cool. Like I just overly trying to make herself feel that it's fine. And that's also what I see this woman doing too. Like, yeah. oh, here's a VHS tape of uh, breastfeeding babies. And that's the tape we see mm -hmm. later. Um, so yeah, uh, fun set deck, you know, it's, it's the eighties. So uh, a lot of old cars around. It's I did like that when they, when she was asking about the baby, she was like, Oh, are you taking her to mercy? And, oh, which I thought was like, Oh fuck Detroit mercy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I, that was a neat, uh, there's lots of little touches in this script. That I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Even if it didn't film there. Okay. They're getting the, the nomenclature, right. Mm -hmm, of all the, the sure, little things. Yeah. Cause so what he does is after he collects his supplies, puts them in the trunk, uh, he like unlocks the trunk and there's a, there's a lot of stuff about locks in this movie. Uh -huh. Just a lot of like purposeful shots of locks and, and things being unlocked and locked. And yeah, you're uh, it's right. Just, it's just a through line of like, it's very, it dwells on it. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Because when you think about, like, what's one of the things when, when we talk about, like, oh, this neighborhood's gone to shit, which is a conversation we're about to have in this movie. What's, like, one of the number one things people kind of cite as a reason that a neighborhood yeah, now is bad? You used to be able to unlock, yep. leave our doors you unlocked. You leave all your doors unlocked, and it was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when he goes to leave the supermarket, he sees a woman also leaving and it's a great shot it's like a side shot mm -hmm. from the passenger seat through it and this he... woman in a yellow dress oh, okay yeah and he he follows her uh home and waits until she goes home then he gets a uh he puts on a mechanics kind of uniform like a one the, the suit mm -hmm. and knocks on her door and says he's from dwp <laughs> And both of us laughed and nobody else did. Uh, that's Detroit Water and Power. Yeah. That's the actual thing. Uh, but he, he goes into her house and he goes into her bathroom, runs the water, and unlocks her door. Or unlocks her Locks window. the window from the inside, mm -hmm. yeah. And then leaves. And that's all we get. We, we, that, uh, we'll have another conversation when he gets back to the house in the same flashback. But, like, we never see him kidnap women, rape them this is the extent to which we visibly see what he does. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think that's a, the, yeah. exactly enough that you need. He gets back and his neighbor, uh, Doug, approaches him. Kurt Branaller. Kurt Branaller, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and um, he's like, oh, hey, yeah, like, so, hate to tell you, but tomorrow we're going to have a, big, a sign up in the yard uh, for sale sign. Mm -hmm. That's the, the neighborhood's, neighborhood's going, going to shit. shit. We yep. figured we'd try to get out now before we can't sell. And, yeah, this is that white flight mm -hmm. this is that move away from the city that we talked about earlier and that's why this scene i think is so necessary yeah also and it kind of explains why this street is so abandoned yeah. in the 80s where where's that guy moving where's doug moving farmington, farmington? I, was, yeah. I was gonna say farmington yeah <laughs> yeah uh and he's like are you gonna leave and richard Brake says i'm never leaving here mm -hmm. and then it goes back to the present same house Mm -hmm. uh, oh, actually, right before he goes back to the present, he goes inside. We see that it's the same house inside, and he goes. He opens that door of the basement. Yeah, and we, we hear, hear screaming. screaming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so yeah, we cut back to the present. We're in the hole, and the woman we saw in the tunnel, who I guess she's called the mother. She's called the mother. Yeah. So she, we kind of see her arm, and she lowers down this nasty-looking baby bottle. It's the like a novelty-sized baby bottle. It's With huge. With the rubber nipple. And hair There's just on the nipple. Hair all over it. Like and, like long pieces of hair stuck to and it. And Justin Long is like, what the fuck? And Tess says, 
drink from it. She she wants you to be baby. Yeah, she wants you to be baby. You got just drink from it. She wants to be your mom. Just do what she says. Don't get upset or else she will. Just yeah. stay calm around her. Of course, he doesn't. So uh, that's when she does. She drinks from the bottle. She yeah, Tess does. But Justin Long does not. The mother yanks him out. Yeah, because she jumps down in there and yells mm-hmm. in his face, grabs him, drags him to that room with the the TV in it. And starts breastfeeding putting, him. Putting her nipple in his mouth. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I guess this is kind of him getting a little bit of his own medicine. The, the forced sexual. Yeah. Well, not sexual, but. Uh, forced yeah. intimacy, I yes, guess. Yes, yeah. And um, I guess we can talk about the mother. Yeah. Uh, so when we left, we were like, not sure we love the design of the mother. She is a elongated, naked woman with the big saggy boobs. And, like, we've seen this a lot. This kind of design, I'm, I feel like it's, I, I, I'm worried that it's overstaying its welcome because the first time I saw anything like it was in Wreck, which I watched in, God, when it came out. 2007? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was almost out of high school, but, like, I watched it and it scared the shit out of me. This, this woman in, like, this dark attic and I just... I just hadn't seen anything like that as a horror monster, and it deeply freaked me out. Mm-hmm. But since then, we've seen a lot. It was in Ma. It's Mama. Mm-hmm. Is the one and you're thinking it of. Has yep, it similar... has the even The Shining has a similar the you know the woman in the bathtub. It's not quite the same. But it's an old naked lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't love it as a monster design. Um, turns out that this is like. She's a product of incest. Yes. So So Richard Brake, Frank is his character's name, would kidnap women, rape them, and then... It's like Craster in Game of Thrones. uh, Yes. He he has kids with his 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 captives and and then has kids with his kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I was reading an interview with Zach Kreger where he talks about her mannerisms and the way that she speaks are based on feral kids where they are kids who were raised without contact with other mm. people, um, which... Because she's nonverbal for yeah, the most part. Yeah, she, she... I think she can... I mean, she says baby, kind of. Yeah. But she... And they, they... He said that they kind of, like, based her speaking patterns off of that, which that I think is is interesting um, because I do think there is something uncomfortable about this character but that also raises the question of does that then make other characters like a Leatherface or um you know characters like that where it's kind of mental disability used as horror or mm-hmm. used as a creature when in fact these characters are still human and we did get an email from a fan who uh is a parent of a a child with uh uh, I, I guess a disability and and they said that they saw this movie and it was upsetting for them to see right. a character who kind of resembled their kid being the monster in the movie right and 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 kind of you know verbalize or like express themselves in similar ways similar speech patterns and how people in real life are like afraid of of their child and I don't know that just like really <laughs> broke my heart and I've gotten other emails from from fans too talking about you know, the way that we discuss horror movie characters on the podcast and, you know, characters like Leatherface where there is this, um, you know, maybe inclination to infantilize him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though, I mean, I'll always 
Leatherface is always going to be my sweet boy and I love him. But it is more so the idea that like he is an adult who is, you know, not. Yeah. And I, I do think that the movie ultimately, this movie ultimately does agree that the mother is a victim. Yes. And he said that in his interview too. He's like, I want the audience to feel like this character is ultimately innocent in yeah. all of this. And I, and in the discussions that I've read online, it seems like most people do have, that's their takeaway. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure she kills uh, uh, Bill Skarsgård and another character. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem as though she fully understands what she's doing or it's out of fear and a defensive thing. And it's also, when you think about it, it's the only type of relationship to other people that she's ever seen modeled for her because it's either this like intimate context or it's just anger and murder when you think about like who her father is Mm -hmm. like there hasn't been any other kind of relationship modeled for this person between him and another human when all she's grown up around is him like kidnapping women yeah so does the ultimate conclusion of her being a victim does that make it okay to also have her be the scary thing early on? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to make that call. Um, personally, like I said, I'm I'm just kind of over that design of a, a monster type character. Yeah. I do think the character ends up, you know, very sympathetic in the end. Uh, but I can understand if you go to this movie and your kid is, is maybe like a nonverbal, yeah. uh, you know, has developmental issues or what have you that this would be upsetting yeah and I think that's like a bigger conversation to have that like I don't feel adequately prepared for to discuss in this episode is like why you know like the history of using again like the my vocabulary here is not going to be adequate either because it's just something that I'm not as like educated about but just you know people who look different people Mm -hmm. with you know um developmental stuff going on like why you know that like that relationship with horror movies and why some people might find that actually kind of empowering in a weird way or why people say like no you know horror is great but this kind of makes life harder for me or the people that I love and care about so that is something it, it feels like a very big topic that I would want to do correctly. Yeah. And I'm sure we've already like discussed it in a way that people who like know what they're talking about or listening to us and are like, ugh, <laughs> uh, you know, so we're we're trying our, our, our best here. But yeah. Anyway, just just know that like when I see feedback like that, even if I don't respond via email, like I see it yeah. and, and I we appreciate it. You take know? it to heart and yeah. yeah. So she Tess uh takes the opportunity of Justin Long getting uh breastfed to get out of the the pit she manages to get out and she sneaks by that room and she gets out through that basement window uh she remember she kicks the tape measure and she does so, first, and it's terrifying it makes yeah. that tape measure noise because the mother that causes the mother to leave justin long um she doesn't catch up with tess 
But that's why the next time we see Justin Long, he's like already walking down the tunnels. It's yeah. kind of an abrupt cut. Yeah, well, because she she breaks that basement window, and that guy from earlier who we mm. saw running at her grabs her and pulls her, and yeah. and know. he he says like, yeah, that woman is, she lives in there. She's not the worst thing in that house, but mm-hmm. she comes out at night. Yeah, so maybe get out of there because it's it's still daytime. Yeah, he says like, you better get out of here because she'll come looking for you at mm. nighttime. So uh, now. AJ, Justin Long, is walking around. Again, kind of an abrupt cut uh, after we just saw him in that room, but whatever. He, he's trying to make his way through these tunnels, and he hears uh, the mother coming after him, so he winds up at a door that she's afraid to go to. Yeah, she, she kind, kind of, of stops following the... him, and she just, yeah, kind of fades into mm-hmm. the darkness. And he goes in there, and there's, like, a TV stanky and a bunch of tapes. Room. and It's a stanky room. And old man Richard Brake in old man makeup laying in a bed. Yeah. And so... What I love about this is Justin Long's character immediately is like sympathizes this with poor him. old man. Yeah. Well, well, I I do think it's funny that he is about to say like we'll get you out, and then he stops himself and he's like, no, I'm getting out of here. But I <laughs> yeah. feel bad for you, bro. Sorry. Well, no, I'm getting out of here and I'll send help. Like, don't worry, I'll take care of you. We're in this together, man. That monster is like, I can't believe she did this to you. Don't worry. And it's like. Dude, he's laying in this bed back here. I mean, I guess he could just be a victim of her, but, like, something's pretty sus. And eventually he does uh, notice the TV and, and a bunch of VHSs bunch of with, with awful labels on them. Names, names and also, or descriptions. Or descript- like, one of them just says Screamer on it, which <laughs> I, I one wrote, of them said Chelsea, and I was very disturbed. I wrote down Irish accent. Yeah. Uh, some that I didn't see, but that people online said blind and puker which awful and justin long puts a tape or the tape that's already in there redhead from gas station yeah and we don't see what he sees but obviously it is richard i think we briefly hear screaming Mm -hmm. and we we see like after he's watched it and then he just like hits it and ejects and his face is just yeah yeah. he's like what the fuck's the matter with you to richard break because again justin long uh rapist by coercion but he, as he said earlier, I didn't, like, force her. I didn't put yeah. her in a dungeon and rape her. It's like how back on The View many years ago, Whoopi Goldberg infamously said, that's rape rape. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. I, I forget what it was in a reference to. But Justin Long is basically like, oh, no, this is rape rape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he doesn't make the connection that he's on the same spectrum as Richard Brake. Right, yeah. Um, which, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's it is interesting, and that's like what I said. Is this movie does have a very neat, cohesive like spectrum of the same kind of idea? Yeah, inherent threat to women and mm-hmm. how these men pursue or perceive themselves in terms of how women may be looking at them, like a self awareness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Richard Brake takes out a gun. And uh, I think because earlier Justin Long had been like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to bring cops and we're going to get all this. And Richard Brake shoots himself. That I do uh, have written here. Um, this is when I noted the the difference in reaction between um, when when Tess is exploring this basement versus like when any of the men are. Because, again, I mean, the Justin Long initial kind of exploration of the tape measures played for laughs. But him kind of continuing now he goes into this room with Richard Brake in it and, you know, puts in a tape and is do- no one is screaming at Justin. Like no one is like, dude, just leave. Mm-hmm. 
I don't I don't I don't think I heard a single person be like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Like, just leave. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so fascinating, the difference. And I, I do also kind of think it is such interesting proof of why final girls are so much more engaging because there is this weird like difference in how audiences perceive danger uh, towards women versus men in a situation like this. Uh, meanwhile, Tess has made her way to a gas station and it's called the police. Yeah. Police show up and they Detroit's finest show up and uh, they they just I mean she's very dirty. That's and, the thing, and it's a sim. It, it reminds and, me of how earlier she ran from the guy trying to help her. I think this is a a mirror of that where she now is. It's this. It's the same kind of set and setting. They're in this neighborhood, this this bad neighborhood. Mm -hmm. She's dirty. She maybe looks like she's either homeless or has a drug problem. She or is both. black. We didn't mention. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's black, and mm -hmm. so the police are just are less than helpful They're, they yeah they you know, like and she sees that they think that she's like a crackhead or something and she's like and no, no no like i'm not crazy i'm not on drugs she's explaining herself very there's well. a guy in that house and i was held there for two weeks and they just are kind of rolling her, their eyes at her but they drive over there with her and she's like okay this window right here i crawled out of here and she's explaining and they're like Ma'am, there's no one in this house, and the only crime we see here is you broke this person's window. And then they get a call about shots fired, and they leave. They leave her. Yep. So I did she's... see a comment online, um, surmising, wondering if a woman cop had been with them, if she would have noticed the discrepancy because uh, Tess is still in her interview clothes, and if a woman cop would have noticed, oh, these are like nicer clothes, they're just really dirty. Whereas, mm. you know, as a man, I might not have noticed like, oh, that's a nice outfit. It's just. I didn't really notice she was, I or I didn't think like, oh, she's still in her interview clothes. Yeah. Like maybe that would have done something, but it's two dudes and uh, they're like, nope, bye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so she, and, and she told this, the homeless guy who saved her earlier too. He was like, get out of there. She's like, no, there's this guy down there. He might be getting killed. I have to save him. I can't let him just get killed. And that's, that's because that's who Tess is. She's, yeah. And again, when she goes back in, everyone's yelling at her. The audience is like, what the fuck? Like, why are you going back? And to be fair, we have the benefit of knowing what type of person AJ is. Mm -hmm. If she knew, maybe she would just be like, fuck that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But I, maybe even then, she might have gone back anyway because he still is a person. And mm -hmm. I saw someone say and that this movie is basically a, like, no, no good deed goes unpunished. And mm -hmm. that's such, like, a through line in this. And it ties into what she said very early on about how she keeps going back to that ex-boyfriend of hers. Yeah, so, she goes back to bad situations. So she gets down there trying to find AJ, and AJ is taking Richard Brake's gun, and he hears her coming, and he shoots and her. And he shoots down the her, hall. yeah. But luckily, she's not dead. Yeah, I was pissed for a second. Yeah. And, and what is he? He's like, oh, oh, shit. And he kind of grabs her, and he's just like, it's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. And, get, and you can already see him writing this story of what his version of events is going to be. I mean, to be fair, this is the least I blame him for a thing, the shooting her. Yeah, I mean, I would be freaked out too. Yeah. But still. But still, yeah. It, it's always him making excuses for his actions. Yeah. And he does get her out of the house, and uh, she is like, oh, I, I know this guy who saved me mentioned a water tower. Yeah, so, so they find that guy, and he, he explains like, yeah, this dude lives there, kidnaps women, blah, blah. And... But they, and that's when Justin Long has this moment oh, of where he's 
I think what he's he's talking about him having accidentally shot Tess. And he's like, yeah, no, 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 I did that. And that's a bad thing. Yeah, because the homeless and... guy is like, oh, I can't believe she did that to you. And Justin Long, takes he takes responsibility for the gunshot. He says, no, I shot her. Yeah. And then, yeah, he goes into this thing where he's like, it's, it's a very introspective moment. It's a close-up on him. And he's saying, I don't know if I'm a bad person or if I'm a good person who did a bad thing. I can't change what I've done. I can only try to make it better going forward, which is, I think, the proper way to look at things. Like, if if mm-hmm. we've all done stuff we regret, and, you know, that is that is the truth of the matter. You can't change what you've done. You can only try to make things better going forward. Right. And so this moment that he has in uh, another movie, it... it it could have been like a pivot for him. And here I'm thinking like, okay, are we going to get this guy? Like this, a redemption arc for this rapist. We're going to do another don't breathe too. Uh, because it's played so sincerely. Yeah. It's I literally acting. was just furiously scribbling like, Oh my God, no, is this where this movie is going? And it made me feel so weird and bad. And it felt very in the moment felt very ham fisted. Like, Oh no, is this guy going to have a come to Jesus moment? Yeah. Cause again, in real life, like that is the proper appraisal to do. But in this movie, we've seen how shitty he is. And it's like, we and don't really like, want to see I don't need him. this yeah. guy's redemption. You know, like, what are we doing? And at this moment, uh, the guy who was played by James Butler, by the way, who um, I'm looking at what else he was in. He was a detective in Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Oh. Huh. Um, he's been in a bunch of other that. stuff, but I'm looking at like uh, like horror things that he was in. So he says... She at least she's never gone in here before, and at that moment, yeah, she, the, the, the mother. mother is there and grabs him, and she rips his arm off at the shoulder and beats him to death with it. Yeah, so that's it's pretty crazy. gnarly. Yeah, uh, and then Justin Long immediately takes off and runs for himself from, uh, and does not try to help nope. Tess. He's running up this water tower, and she's like, "Wait for me!" And he's like, "I can't." Uh, so immediately undermines his his little redemption arc, which I think is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, Just to show how instantly, how yeah, it like was. in when in a safe environment, you know, you can talk the talk, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's he's saying what he would m- like to think he believes and yeah. would do. Right. Yeah. Uh, they get to the top and. You know, she's he, coming up. He remembers up. He, he has the gun. Yeah, she's like, what about that gun that you have? And he's like, oh, yeah, takes it out, drops Dro- it. Immediately <laughs> drops it off the water tower. The mother's almost to the top, and he's like, I can get away, but you have to slow her down. And he grabs Tess and throws her from the top of this water tower. Dude. Tess is falling back, and she's looking up, and Justin Long says to the mother, your baby, go get her. And so Tess sees the motherfucking swan dive yeah. off the top of the water tower. Just like Mr. Rochester's wife off the top of the, the house. Yep. Yeah. Justin Long looks down. Somehow Tess is on top of the mother, even though that doesn't make sense physically. Yeah. Uh, but I don't whatever. Know. Whatever. Um, he goes down there and they're both still alive. Tess is still Dude, alive. First Tess is still alive. And so he immediately is like, you slipped. Uh, I, I tried to save you. I tried you to and catch I could. you, but you let go and yeah. you were sl- I couldn't do anything. Just him, just, just word vomit. Just, just, uh, just uh, constructing a, a justification for what he did. Fault. Yep. Um, and then but you're alive and I'll, it's cool. I'll get you out of I'll here. You I'll help. save you. M- the mother comes back, grabs him, sticks her thumbs in his eyes, 
Jeepers Creepers style, because poor Justin Long's in that, also gets his eyes. (laughs) And then rips his head apart. Yeah. Tess is there, still alive. She gets the gun. Oh, uh, this is heartbreaking, this, honestly. Yeah. I saw someone on Twitter. I mean, it was a random person, so who fucking cares? But they were like, oh, man, the ending of that was, like, so funny. I was like, what are you talking about? It broke my heart. Are you kidding me? It's so sad. Yeah. Because the mother... She's, like, not trying to kill Tess No, because she Tess... is concerned about her. ...is a character who doesn't, like, react to her with like she said earlier she's like don't get upset around just do what she says Mm -hmm. and she just wants you to be her baby and so she you know the mother looks back at Tess and is like okay like we're gonna go back home and she's like bubba and is like doing the little like nose stroke thing that's on the VHS that the mom is doing to the Mm -hmm. baby and Tess is crying and is like I can't I can't go back there and then she takes out the gun and like the she does the mother doesn't know what a gun is yeah so she doesn't she even react just, to it going up against her head yeah and she she pulls the trigger and it hard smash cut to credits yeah uh it does give us little glimpses afterward of tessa of tess somehow walking out of there like that it's a little it's you gotta suspend disbelief a little bit for I, that i'm just that glad she didn't die because when she was shot and then when he throws her off both times i was like you have no, to fuck be kidding you. me. This, yeah. this movie's punching back. Because, like, they yeah. could have ended it with Justin Long as the only survivor, and they could have either gone, he, like, re- uh, the media covers Sees up. him as a hero uh, or yeah, something. Yeah. And that would have been a real dark ending. Or they could have had him be the only survivor and then get blamed for all the rape stuff in there, which oh, would have been geez, something. yeah. But I'm glad that he died and that test survives. Yeah. Even as unrealistic as it may be. Yeah. But... Yeah, I'm sorry. My throat is hurting so bad from yeah, talking we're so much with done. my sore throat. We'll wrap this up, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like this. I think, yeah, the third act maybe loses me a tiny bit because I, I don't know. I most, I just the character of the mother, just something about it just bums me out so bad, and I don't find her inherently very frightening, even when she's supposed to be. I think because that design, I'm like not shocked by it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it, it is good. And I think what it, it's thesis statement is really interesting. And that I think is, it's worth, like, it's worth pointing out how well it, it does that, especially since this movie is written from the male perspective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it feels more really self-meditative on like being a man versus like, this is what women must feel about this kind of, I, I don't know. It just, it feels um appropriately self-aware, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very funny, I think. It, it Yeah, it's also very funny. I really liked it. It's just another awesome horror movie from 2022. Mm-hmm. So next week, I said we were going to do Survivor. I have to move that by a week. But it's for a very cool reason. We're going to have Heather Langenkamp back on the podcast with her husband, David Leroy Anderson. Nice. And we are going to read parts of this book that I bought on eBay last year from 1912. It is a a book called Games for Halloween with the little apostrophe between the two E's. <laughs> and so it's it's ideas from 1912 about how to have a Halloween party and little Halloween ideas. And I haven't read it yet. And I thought we could read little parts of it and it'll be very silly. And we can talk about Halloween traditions and spooky stuff. Okay. And hopefully by then I'm feeling better. Yes. So <laughs> with that, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, social me media. No. Okay. 
I'll just put it up <laughs> on the screen. You know where to go. It's at Demi James. I'm at Carebeck, C-R-E-B-E-C-C on Twitter and Instagram. And if I'm com. And uh, yeah, until next time, I'm Chelsea. And I'm James. And this has been the Dead Meat Podcast. Thank you.